Hey, folks, welcome to episode eight of the Speaking of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Robin Ellingwood. And on today's show, I have the pleasure of talking to Shayla Visser. Shayla is the National Director of Alpha Canada, Global Senior Vice President for Alpha International, and Executive Producer of both the Alpha Youth Film Series and the Alpha Film Series. She's been studying evangelism and evangelistic responses in nonprofits and the church, and has a heart for people coming to know Jesus and helping the local church flourish. Shayla is known for her strategic leadership and her ability to bring people together. She's been recognized as one of the top 100 most influential Christian women in Canada, and she lives in Vancouver, BC, with her husband, Ryan. During this episode, Shayla talks about the importance of self-leadership. She shares lessons that she's learning about leading during a pandemic and how she stays engaged in leadership. You'll hear about why Alpha is working in post-Christian cities and how leaders can equip their churches to be more invitational. Shayla's enthusiasm for people coming to know Jesus is very contagious, so listen at your own risk. Let's dive into the interview. Hey, Shayla, so great to have you um, on the show today. Welcome, and uh, thanks for being here today. Robin, it's awesome. Thanks for inviting me. I love talking to church leaders and being with other leaders. Amazing. Well, we sure appreciate it. Listen, I'd love for us to get started by learning more about you and just wondering maybe if we could begin by uh, just having you share a bit of your story and leadership journey with us. Yeah, well, I uh, grew up in an immigrant family. So my dad is from India. My mom is from England. So we had an interracial family and it was very interesting, as you can well imagine, to uh, feel like you belong to two different cultures and then live in a third country. So it's it was a great start to life. My parents are hardworking people who came over with very little and made something of themselves. And so I think a lot of who I am can be traced back to that. I trace back to the fact that I love the whole church because my parents you know, came from different parts of the church and we got to experience that. I love the world. I think about mm. not only seeing most of the world, but I love people from different cultures. I love trying new foods. I love reading. And so for me, my faith journey began with a mother who took me to church, a rural Anglican church growing up. Okay. And, uh, and I saw some leadership skills in myself, as did my family and friends and mentors, you know, parents of friends of parents, et cetera. And so I've been doing leadership work all through high school and then into university and since then. So I've had this eclectic mix of influences from parents that are immigrants to leadership opportunities in a rural church and a rural school. And now I live in an urban context in Vancouver. So my life is quite eclectic overall. Amazing. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing just a bit of who you are and a bit of your leadership background. I'm just wondering, you know, we're living in a very interesting time uh, with all of the challenges that the global pandemic um, has caused. And it certainly has been challenging for just people straight across the board, but especially for people who are leading. And I'm just wondering, mm -hmm. during this season that we find ourselves leading in, what are you learning about leadership? Well, let me just start by saying, Robin, that every leader has been pushed to the max. Yeah. Every single leader is... Um, tired from trying to find solutions where no one has an answer, but also just tired from the energy output it takes to change your company, change your church, change your ministry. And so in that, I think I've learned a great deal. 
if you would have asked me on March 1st what we were doing that year with Alpha Canada, mm-hmm. I would have t- given you a very different strategy right. than literally two weeks later when we had 21 over a short period of time, we had 21 what I'm calling micro strategies that did not exist a few weeks before that. Wow. That's the kind of pivoting, the P word, pivoting <laughs> that we had to do. But I would say I've, I've learned four things in particular during the season. One is the need for clarity. Mm-hmm. Clarity is essential for a leader to provide clarity to others, but also to clarify your own thinking right? so that you're able to lead. I th- The second thing is to be a possibility thinker and to see opportunity in sometimes very tragic circumstances and sometimes just very trying. And I think being a possibility thinker naturally was very helpful during the season to say, okay, we can't do this, but what can we do? Right. And the third thing I'd say is that taking care of myself, my marriage, my home life was more significant than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. That even though I wasn't traveling, and I travel a great deal, I had to really keep the home fires burning in a different way. And I had to stay healthy myself so that I could give the best to both my own family, but also to um, my work. And then the last thing that I had to keep stoked was that hope, that real hope that we have. And as much as it sounds a bit cliche to come from a Christian, I do sincerely mean it, that hope in Jesus. Mm -hmm. At times, there was certainly not hope in COVID or hope in the government or hope in a particular outcome, but rather stoking my passion and and fanning into flame that love and and desire to know Jesus more and seeing that my hope is in him. Those, those were the things that really made a difference. Clarity, possibility thinking, taking care of myself, and then putting my hope in the right place, which is in Jesus. Wow, those are great, great lessons to learn at any time, but especially for this season that we find ourselves in. Anyone who has been leading for any length of time knows that leadership can be really difficult. And that's on the Uh good days. I mean, it can be difficult on the good days, the very best days. In those times where it's just the tough stuff, the the tough slog of leadership, how do you stay motivated? Uh, What keeps you in the game? Or maybe a better way to ask is, uh, what keeps you engaged in your role at Alpha Canada and Alpha International? Robin, I think this is such a crucial question. And particularly when I think about young leaders who are wondering, you know, how do I stay in this game for the long term, lead in a number of different contexts and different size organizations or churches. And the number one thing you have to do at any season, but particularly the tough seasons, you lead yourself. Right. And that's really hard to do when you're tired, when you're drained from all of the resources that you've put out from yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think the most critical question is, how does a leader lead themselves? And if you know what you need to do to lead yourself, then you are through the biggest battle of your leadership. And so what I have to do to lead myself is I have to do things like my right healthy routines. And that for me is going to bed obscenely early, but also waking up obscenely early. So most of my friends and family would laugh because I'm asleep by 9.30 most of the time. And in COVID, it was probably 90% of the time I was in bed by 9.30. But I also wake up at quarter to five because my routine and starting my day right is the most essential thing I do to stay healthy and to lead myself. Mm -hmm. So I ensure that I'm getting the input I need from external sources, which could be a podcast, a book I'm reading, a conversation with a mentor, 
uh, my executive coach, I have a spiritual director. There's a lot of people that help me be a leader. Amazing. Uh, but, but I've put those into place myself. I do not rely on someone else to put that into place. It's wonderful when you have a boss or manager or a board that will say, we want you to have leadership development. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for it. And so I have to build it in and I can't rely on others. Mm-hmm. And of course, the number one place I get motivation is from studying the Bible, from spending time alone with the Trinity and receiving from them all the spiritual blessings of the heavenly realm yeah. and, and getting from them everything I need for my day. And I'm telling you, the staff notice a day where I've done that and a day where I haven't. I mean, they may <laughs> not articulate it that clearly, but it's so obvious where my passion comes from and where my life-giving blood is from that spills over to other people with vision and clarity and um, real commitment to what we're trying to achieve through Alpha. Man, that's so, so good. My guess is that most of our listeners have heard of Alpha, but in the event that someone has been you know, hiding under a rock or has never you know, heard of it or has maybe seen the Alpha logo, but didn't know what it was. Could you tell us a little bit about Alpha? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alpha, I stumbled across Alpha and I think it was 1999 when I started running it for business people in downtown Vancouver. And what attracted me to it was it was really got some values in it that I loved. It was open discussion it was lighthearted and fun at times, serious at other times, but it was around a table. It was meant that anybody from any background could come. And it was the first time I'd found uh, something that I could utilize in trying to reach my friends and colleagues that really was effective. It was started in an Anglican church, but I think just about every denomination uses it now. Mm-hmm. And it's really a place for people to explore faith from a Christian perspective. And anyone can do it. And if In fact, I would say the more diversity in your group, the better it is. And we have open discussion. So it's a facilitated discussion based on some talks. So a typical alpha evening when we aren't in COVID crisis (laughs) would be uh, you come to a church or it could be at a pub or a different location, like a third space, and people would have a meal together, they'd listen to a talk, and then they'd have an open discussion. And now in Canada, we've had over a million people come and take Alpha. Wow. And around the world, it's over 20 million. And just in this season, we've had about 1,200 Alphas running online, which has enabled you know well over 10 or 15,000 people in Canada to explore Christianity. And so we really have designed it with people that would not consider themselves Christians. That's who it's designed for. And so we get all sorts of interesting people on Alpha, and we love it. The more diverse, the better it is. That's so great. And that's been true of my experience of Alpha, too. You know, in leading and facilitating Alpha has been like the more diverse the group that you're journeying with, just the richer the experience and the conversation is. Oh, yeah. I I love the stories. You know, I have a friend um, who came on Alpha. His name is Albert, and he's given me permission to tell the story. And he, when he first came, Robin, oh, my word, the grumpiest guy, like divorced twice, uh, a business leader and owner. And he came because his friend was sick of him saying, I'm lonely. I have no one to eat supper with. And he said, well, you've got to come to Alpha. And he really didn't care what Alpha was. He just cared that he could meet some nice people and have dinner and a home-cooked <laughs> meal. And you know, the first five weeks he came, he'd eat a very big helping of the dinner and fall asleep during the video. 
And by week five, I said to him, Albert, why are you even coming? (laughs) And he said, Shayla, I come every week because I've been divorced twice. I eat alone every single night. Hmm. This is the only place I come and get a home-cooked meal. And I am eating with the nicest people I've ever met. He said, I don't care about the discussion. I just care about the community. Wow. And he came, and by the end of Alpha, on the Alpha weekend, in fact, he became a Christian. He gave his life to Christ, and he is living for Jesus. And I love it. And so that's kind of part of the journey. The more interesting the guest, the better it is. Amazing. Why do you think Alpha is working in secular post-Christian cities like Portland or New York City or London, England, or in countries like Canada? Well, I think the birthplace of Alpha is the center of London, UK, right? It, it's a very secular city, very diverse, very international, um, the wealth and the poverty mixed together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was birthed out of that context for people that would not call themselves Christians. And so the whole thing was instigated in an urban context. Right. It's now since, of course, worked in rural contexts and small communities, large But I think the reason it's working in places like New York and Portland as two examples, or Vancouver, Toronto, is that it was designed with the type of people that are in their cities right now. And in fact, the way that Holy Trinity Brompton, also known as HTB, sees it is they're actually not thinking post-Christian. They're thinking pre-Christian now. So even how they've designed Alpha and they think about it is, what does it mean for people that don't know anything about Jesus, Mm -hmm. that Um, haven't had some sort of Christian history. And as we start to think about pre-Christian, you kind of approach it differently. And I think that's why it works in an urban context. So we're seeing interesting church leaders like John Tyson Mm -hmm. uh, out of New York City who says, you know, everywhere I turn in my church, I keep seeing people that have come to faith on our alpha. I saw that tweet. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And then John Mark Comer out of Bridgetown in Portland, I'm just naming a few pastors who are really reaching younger people and very urban, woke young people in particular who are really having great experiences on Alpha and they're finding it very effective. It's not the only thing that's working. It's just one of the ones that's worked in a a very urban context. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think uh, in my experience, and, and, you know, it's pretty limited. I've run, you know, maybe a handful of Alphas over the last 10 or 12 years, but One of the things that I've found um, have led to the most fruitful or the most successful, quote unquote, uh, successful alphas have been whether or not people invited their friends. And so I'm just wondering if you could speak to invitation and just how important uh, that is and how can church leaders equip the people that they're leading to be more invitational? Well, Robin, now you've got me on something I'm passionate about in like in spades because I want to take a back one step. Before we talk about invitation, I want to talk about redefining evangelism. Okay. And the reason being is the church, my church, many churches have tried to motivate people to be activated in evangelism by using the word invitation. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. It's right. It's good. But the problem is that there is a hangover from what evangelism means in perhaps their church that they grew up in something they heard in Sunday school or felt that a different time and era of the church. And so they've rejected the word evangelism. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I want to redefine it is, is I think it's biblical. John 15, 16 really points to this when Jesus says in John 15, that it's better that I leave 
the advocate will come. Right. And it's the advocate's job to help people see Jesus and convict them of their sin. It's not the Christian's. And so my friend Daryl Johnson has sort of looked at throughout scripture and said, you know, what is a good definition of evangelism that's biblical? And he says, it's joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. And if church leaders are able to help the average Christian realize, hey, you're not the initiator, you actually get to respond and join. And so instead of going out into the world thinking, oh, I'm supposed to do this, Lord, help me or I can't believe I have to do this because I'll be guilt-tripped at church on Sunday. It's a get-to. It's this exciting opportunity for Christians to open their eyes and say, Lord, what are you doing today, and how can I join you? That is evangelism. Mm -hmm. That is joining the Holy Spirit and what He's already doing in the lives of people around you. So when it comes to invitation, it's really a Holy Spirit-fueled joining and saying, Lord, who am I inviting around me? Give me eyes to see them ears to hear what they're thinking and listen to their issues and let me invite someone if with your prompting. And sometimes that prompting is very faint and you have to be bold and be like, oh Lord, help me. And other times the prompting is strong and you feel more confident. But either way, it is a work of the Holy Spirit that we're joining. And as more Christians realize that, then they want to do it. They're like, well, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. And whether or not someone says yes to an invitation no longer feels like a pass or fail. It just feels like, hey, I just participated. I did my part. The Holy Spirit's doing his part, which is getting them to say yes. I love that because I think it makes it way more accessible uh, to people. And like you said, it redefines it for people who just, you know, for them, evangelism just has a lot of baggage, right? Yeah. And I and we can't blame them. I mean, we've probably got baggage that we could talk about For from sure. what we've been taught or encouraged to do. But as people feel set free in it, they love God more. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know there is nothing more exciting in the Christian faith than watching someone come alive in Christ. It just is life-giving and it increases your faith. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And I just hope that the church in Canada recognizes we have an opportunity now. There are lots of people asking questions uh, right across our country about um, why this is happening and, and they're worried about their own mental health or their own financial circumstances. And Jesus provides hope Mm -hmm. and we need to be bold, but we need to do it under the right theological conviction that the Holy Spirit's already doing it. Let's join him. So good. I've loved watching the uh, team at Alpha innovate and adapt the, cor- uh, the course to our changing culture over the years. And I'm just wondering if you could speak to uh, innovation and what does that look like at Alpha and how can leaders become more innovative? I think leaders can become innovative by getting the right team around them. I think that's been over my 10 plus years of running Alpha Canada and even prior to that. It's recognizing what your own gifts and skill set is and then saying, what do you need to bring around you? So early on in Alpha Canada's um, history, that's what it was. It was a startup. It was just like getting it going. And that was 20 plus years ago. And in the last 10 years, I then had to innovate again and reorganize Alpha so that we could be effective to serve the local church. And as I did that, I recognized I'm very entrepreneurial. I love being agile and moving quickly. Mm-hmm. And in those days, we could do that, but we needed some new team members who could bring that skill set because 
that wasn't everybody at the time. Right. Now we've been running, we've had lots of great innovations and we've become more structured. And so now we have to become agile again. So there's these life cycles of an organization and every leader who's been in a position for longer than 10 years recognizes what happens is you get entrepreneurial, innovative, and then you start to structure around it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to break apart the structure and innovate again. And that's the season we're in is how do you break apart the structure, not because the structure was bad, but because it doesn't allow you to be as agile, particularly as you need to be in COVID. So it's about uh, bringing in the right skill sets, finding people that are quite unconventional, that love what you're doing, are passionate about it, share your values, Mm -hmm. love the mission and vision, and are going to bring a different way of thinking about it to the table. And and you need both kinds of people. But in this season with COVID, I think most leaders I've talked to, regardless of what they're who they're leading or what they're leading, have realized you need a skill set of innovative, adaptable people around you to make use of the opportunity God's giving us. What's next for Alpha? Well, I think what we're trying to do is respond to the church. We, you know, this fall we're going to be interviewing church leaders again, and we do that every few years. We do a very robust interview and say, you know, what's what's happening in your communities? How is evangelism at your church? How can we serve and support you? And so we really say that we always design from the customer back. So we don't come up with it in our headquarters in a boardroom and say, we think the church wants this. We always go out first and do the interviews and say, what does our customer really need? And then how can we meet that need? Okay. And we ask that both globally and nationally. And so we're doing our national one this fall and looking forward to hearing what church leaders say. But if I was to um, hazard a guess around what's next, it really is how can we play our part to stoke the fire of evangelistic fervor in the church in Canada. We can provide Alpha as a tool. We can provide training. And I hope that the church thinks we've got great resources for them. But it really is about every person in the church getting involved in invitation and feeling a call and a passion to do it because they can make a difference in someone else's life when they join the Holy Spirit. So if we can get activated in that regard and create some resources around that. We created one about a year ago called Life Shared, Mm -hmm. and it's a three-part series. You would know Danielle Strickland, of course, from The Meeting House. So Danielle's on it, John Tyson's on it, and... Jay Pathak? Yeah, Jay Pathak. Yeah. And so the three of them, look, at you know better than I do how great is I know Jay, that's why. (laughs) So it's the only reason, yeah. So the, so the three of them are, it's a three-part series for home groups to do, to talk about invitation. And we're doing a big push on that this fall again, because church leaders are looking for resources that help their people think, how do I reach my neighbors? Right. How, how am I engaged? And the principles in it re- work regardless of COVID. And so we're trying to encourage that. And hopefully that will provide the church some support in this area of invitation. Cool. Shayla, one of the innovations that you guys came up with was in the area of youth. And uh, just wondering maybe if you could tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about that priority. You know, youth has been probably our strongest work over the last seven years in terms of being able to really serve the church to reach a demographic that isn't always activated in evangelism. And the purpose of actually creating the Alpha Youth Series wasn't to put it in the hands of youth pastors and say, now you can use this for curriculum for your kids, but rather saying, what does it mean for you, a youth pastor, whether you're paid or a volunteer, to equip your people for the work of the ministry? So what does it mean to live into Ephesians 4? Equipping teenagers to reach their friends. And it has taken off. Wow. And I have one story of um, 
a young man in Pincher Creek, Alberta. Okay. And he decided to invite his whole high school to try Alpha. And he printed off like little business cards and he put it in the hands of 350 students at his high school. No way. And he and his girlfriend and a couple friends ran Alpha back at his house. And they had the most incredible journey. On week three, one of the young guests in high school asked for a Bible. And he was a kid who never read a book. He was dyslexic, didn't come from a Christian home. Hmm. And he asked for a Bible because he said he wanted to read it. And he started reading it and his parents couldn't believe it, but he was reading it every night at home. And this is a kid who would never open a book. And he came back to his small group leader and he said, I've never been able to relate to a Bible or a book any time in my life. And as soon as I opened this book, I could read it and understand it. Oh my goodness. And then a few weeks later at their Alpha Holy Spirit Day, they wanted to pray, of course, as we as we train people to do on the Alpha Weekend. They wanted to pray for people. And they decided to do their prayer ministry in the basement while the kids were upstairs having snacks. And each kid would come downstairs if they wanted, and they'd lay hands on them and pray. And one kid in grade nine came downstairs, and he had been cutting himself. And he had scars on his legs and his arms. And as he walked down into the basement, they started to fade. Wow. And he said, something's happening. And so these teenagers laid their hands and with great faith prayed that God would get rid of his propensity to cut himself and heal his heart, but also get rid of the scars. And by the end of that prayer time, they were all gone. That's amazing. You had me at the Bible story. (laughs) I mean, this course, like it's just unbelievable what God's doing through teenagers. And so for any of your listeners that are like, you know, I'm worried about this next generation. Yes. I understand that. The stats are not good. But listen, there is a beautiful remnant of teenagers who are doing great things, and it's increasing their faith, their passion, and they are committed and willing to do things that, you know, some of us older people would be nervous about. And so I just love this story from Pincher Creek and so proud of the teenagers in our country that are saying, hey, I'm going to reach people in my high school for Jesus. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. Just wondering if we could end by you sharing where people can find you online and uh, also discover a little bit more about Alpha. Yeah, well, I'm easy to find Shayla Visser on Instagram, Facebook. I'm most active on Instagram, LinkedIn. You can find me anywhere there and love to be introduced to some of your listeners through social media. And then if you're interested in learning more about Alpha Online, you can go to alphacanada.org backslash alpha online and find lots of resources there. And if you are listening and happen to be on this podcast and are like, I want to attend Alpha, we want to invite you to join. You are so welcome. And on our webpage, alphacanada.org, you can just link on to try Alpha and find one near you. Incredible. Well, hey, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing just some of the insights that you've learned and gleaned along the way, for telling us a bit about Alpha and just the journey that you guys are on as an organization in equipping the church for evangelism in this cultural moment. Shayla, just really enjoyed my time with you and thank you for being with us. Thanks, Robin. God bless you and all your listeners. We're here to serve you and we're cheering you on and praying for you all as you lead in your various places. Wasn't that great? What Shayla shared about self-leadership and how churches can become more invitational was so helpful. I hope you gleaned something from our conversation as well. 
If you're a new listener, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you'll subscribe to the Speaking of Leadership podcast so you won't miss out on future episodes. And if you're a regular listener, I'd love if you considered supporting this podcast by becoming a Speaking of Leadership podcast patron. You can help me continue producing episodes like the one you just listened to for as little as $3 a month. Think of it as a virtual tip jar. The Speaking of Leadership podcast is an independent, listener-supported production, so every donation helps. Visit patreon.com forward slash speaking of leadership for more information. Well, that's all for today. Join me next time for my conversation with pastor and author Rich Velotis.